Let's go. I SNMA fam, SNMA fam, we just a month away from the greatest event, the greatest conference on earth. I know y'all ready for it, man. The annual medical education conference has been the cornerstone event of the SNMA. Last year, we had over 1,500 participants pulled up, including myself. I had a great, great, great time. And this year, we plan to bring you more engaging workshops, plenary sessions, social and networking opportunities to meet one-on-one with your peers and attend the interactive exhibit fair with pre-med and professional representatives from across the medical education continuum with tracks for medical students, pre-med students, and fourth years and beyond. You don't want to miss this year's conference. If you're missing out, you're missing out. I'm telling you, y'all going to miss out. Y'all got to pull up. It don't matter. It's it's right. Y'all, y'all, y'all going to see, man. Y'all going to get engaged. So visit the AMAC page on SNMA.org for more info. And I hope to see y'all there. No, I will see y'all there. Everyone, welcome to the Women's History Month episode of SNMA Presents The Lounge. Whether you're in the student lounge, doctor's lounge, or lounging around at home, get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. I'm student doctor Isabella, and this is Women's Month, so of course we have to come with our favorite or a woman of our choice who we believe has made a huge impact on our society. I have Alexa or Dr. Excuse me, Dr. Alexa Kennedy, who was the first black woman neurosurgeon in the United States. And she has done a lot of work. She also did her fellowship in pediatric neurosurgery. So she's been doing the good work of saving babies and their brains and helping to contribute to medicine as a black person. And I'm student Dr. Aldwin. What's up, everybody? And I, my woman of the month, my woman forever, my forever woman in regards to medicine is Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler, the first African-American woman to become a physician in the United States. She, she persisted and was so perseverant. She graduated medical school in the 1860s, right around the time when the civil, uh, uh, civil war was coming into fruition. And oftentimes when you think about our historic figures, I can't even imagine all the pressures, all the racism, all all the dealings and encounters she had as being a woman, being black, and integrating that into her practice as a medical provider. So I want to definitely give a shout out to her and being able to just promote our ability and capabilities as black people, as a black community to accomplish and do things despite the challenges and overcome the barriers that we will face and may face. Hey there, this is student Dr. Erica Dingle, and today my woman of the month is Dr. Susan Taylor. She is founder of the Skin of Color Society, and the Skin of Color Society is so innovative uh, for many of us that are interested in either derm or just in skincare in general, this society was established in 2004 by Dr. Taylor. And its purpose is to promote awareness, excellence within the skin of color for dermatology. That's, that's my lady. 
innovative all the way. Heard you. So <laughs> let's get into it. This is my favorite part of the show. It's time to run the list, right? So as you guys know, for our preclinical students, running the patient list on the wards allows you to address the pressing matters of the day for each patient. So in this segment, we are going to discuss some recent events in medicine affecting our communities and the populations we serve. So let's get into it. Let's go. go. (laughs) Y'all. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Do y'all use Gorilla Glue for anything in your home? Girl, I use Gorilla Snot. That's the only Gorilla something I acknowledge. I don't know about no Gorilla Glue, but I do know that Gorilla Glue is meant for wigs and should only stay on wigs. However, due to recent events, people have tried it in other forms. Um, <laughs> introducing Miss Tessica Brown, who is a young woman from Louisiana. Apparently, she used some Gorilla Glue spray adhesive, which, like I just said earlier, is meant for wigs. Um, And she decided to use it for her slick back. Now, that I, you know, that was just a hard thing to see, to just see another black woman fumble like that. I couldn't I couldn't bear it, honestly. But it was I mean, based on what she said, it was an honest mistake. It was her trying to, uh, to ex- I guess, experiment or to to see what else the glue could be used for. But in turn, she found herself in an emergency room. Yeah, I mean that she had a slick back for sure. The fact that the the name Gorilla Glue, like you see Gorilla automatically, I'm like, get a Gorilla, like, and then glue. What what possesses Whoa. you to even think like of doing that you know what i'm saying like no 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 slight to her but just the fact in the name itself i'll be like what am i doing here with this like glue in itself is right. already crazy to use anyway you know what i'm saying i i was on the glue wave early on sniffing that you know what i mean in fifth grade but too well here's the thing so gorilla glue there's gorilla snot like right. like um Isabella mentioned Gorilla Snot is sold at beauty supply stores, probably at your local convenience or grocery stores. But Gorilla Glue is in a whole nother section, y'all. Like my dad uses that for his hardwares in the backyard. I would never think to put it I would just never think to put it in my hair. Gorilla Glue as in Oh, the thing you use like for hard. Are you lying? Wait, everything, everything's coming yes. to me. You lying? You lying? Wait, hold on. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, this isn't the wig glue. Hold on, I recap my statement. That's not even supposed to be on your head. Hold on, yes, that's not even supposed to be on your body. <laughs> it's okay. Wait, it's that all is right. crazy. Okay, it's, I'm sorry, y'all. I have to recap yes. everything I just said. That is not meant for your head. That is meant for appliances and to fix items, not your body. Okay, so she was exactly. Just tripping. She was just. Tripping. I will say though, like and that, that's we, we gotta thing. we gotta celebrate her though, cause she did uh, get a GoFundMe and she did receive about twenty three thousand dollars in the GoFundMe and they donated twenty thousand. Wow. She donated twenty thousand dollars to Doctor Michael you know Obeng's uh, nonprofit organization. So she she probably tabled a three k, but I'm, most I'm people most that. people wouldn't do that. And then the last time I checked, the actual GoFundMe was actually disabled. So the fact that but let's that let's get into to what Doctor Obang actually did for her though, because the man helped her. I know that he helped to remove the the glue off mm. her head. But 
they're acting as if it's something she couldn't, if she just did a little bit more research, she right. could have easily done. She made a whole like a show of it. Uh, he said he made some special concoction. Apparently he used medical grade adhesive remover, aloe vera, mm-hmm. olive oil, and acetone. Three of the four you can find in any beauty supply. However, I don't want to recant and act like he was, he didn't help this help her out. Like he did help her out. He very much came to her side. I think when everyone else was kind of making a caricature and a joke out of it, Mm -hmm. because that is a serious health issue to just have glue on your head like come, like that's a very very serious like that's a very serious health yeah, issue she so had a new at least style, a new hair right right so like i don't want to say that he didn't help her he did i'm just mm-hmm. saying that i do think that with a little bit more effort she could have maybe figured it out but you know he was the only one at this point who actually cared enough to do the work to help her out so i will give dr michael obeying his his due credit for that and the clout game is going to be crazy though honestly yeah. like now i know that his plastic surgery you know <laughs> practice is booming right now everybody's hitting him up like yo i need this and that right. so even just the whole the maneuver and and kudos to him like kudos to both of them because it's it's looking more so even the money that they've spent or the investment in time they made across the lifespan is going to behoove them and benefit them in so many different ways. So I really appreciate and admire the ability for them to do that too. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you why I really loved the fact that he helped her out because um, I think oftentimes in our culture, we, we will cancel somebody so fast for a mishap. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we don't, we really don't know if this young lady made it did it did it on purpose or made an honest mistake right i will give her the benefit of the doubt although i know where gorilla glue is located but it just seemed very it was like heartwarming to see another black person like it was a black doctor y'all it wasn't you know it wasn't a white doctor that was like oh come to my practice and i'll help you out like we saved the black person saved another black person and i think being that it was a black man too, mm-hmm. that was kind of big. That's powerful, um, right? Because Facts. all the talk you hear about, you know, black. I know this might be reaching, but how we've heard black men don't protect black women, right. and I know oh, this is, doesn't really correlate, but it kind of does. Like I feel like you know, well, he, he helped. He us, helped. So. He helped take a, well, at least added more to that narrative because we're not going <laughs> to say the narrative is. 100% untrue, but he definitely helped to take away a little bit from that narrative. So I got to give him his props for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, leading on to with black women and just, you know, making sure that we stay on the side of black women for the most part. We know mm-hmm. that our sis, you know, uh, Terika kind of, or sorry, Tessica kind of fumbled a little bit but for the most part like you just said erica it could have just been an honest mistake i'm hoping it was an honest mistake we don't need any more we don't need any more instances of black women just trying to look like we're trying to chase some type of clout it's not that serious so mm-hmm. i would just give her the benefit of the doubt but moving on with that i want to note um dr Corey from kaiser permanente as well as dr princess dinar from tulane university um they on the other hand have kind of been getting the i guess the other side of it which is no type of support no kind of i guess open-mindedness in regards to all the work they've done in their professional careers and 
having mm-hmm. no one to back them up. I think in the same way that Tessica had Dr. Obang to help her out in this situation. Now we have two doctors who have been in a situation dealing with their professional careers. Um, and just to kind of give a little bit of background to that, uh, with Dr. Corey, um, she was actually one of the founding faculty at Kaiser Permanente School of Medicine, which we know is, I think they just actually opened up this school. It was for this school year, for this uh, school year 2020 to 2021. This was their first year opening. And she was also the only Black American physician in her role um, as a first year small group facilitator. So that's basically just like, you know, the doctors who you stay with, um, who work with like the individual learning teams in medical school. So, so she had that role. And she was even doing so well that she was even recognized for her accomplishments and had received an email saying she was selected to receive like a faculty rank increase. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just a few months after that, um, she had now received another email before she was actually officially promoted saying that, you know, basically like some events had happened. There was a shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and also there was the Anthony McLean shooting. And basically the student body at that time was just kind of like trying to figure out any answers or just kind of like, what can we do with these deaths and all the racial inequities? And I guess she gave her own piece to the class and kind of spoke about it in the way that she felt was authentic and emotional and all of that. And the students were even engaged, um, as she said, but now she receives this call from the senior associate Dean for academic and community affairs at the school. Mm -hmm. And basically they just suspend her with no warning, no nothing. And they even put her on investigation. And so that's Dr. Corey. I don't know, Eric, if you want to go into Dr. Princess Dinar, but that's her story. Absolutely. It's unfortunate that even as medical doctors, like academia is just not a safe place mm-hmm. for right. people of color. Um, that's, I think, what this kind of demonstrates. And according to WDSU News, which is based in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, Dr. Princess Dinar, she was removed from her post uh, as a physician at Tulane University School of Medicine um, as the director of a residency program less than five months um, after she ended up filing a law school. So a lawsuit, excuse me. So she was removed right. from her post mm-hmm. and um, Tulane ended up giving this, of course, they they give their statement about her suspension, but a little background. Um, her lawsuit was in reference to, I believe it was harassment and wow. discrimination. Sorry, discrimination. Yeah, discrimination. So Tulane University alleges that the discrimination started in 2008 when Dr. Dinar interviewed for a directorship and a specific Dr. Lee Ham, who was then the chair of the internal medicine department, um, Mm -hmm. could only make her a co-director sharing uh, her title with a white program director. And Mm -mm. he, quote, Yeah. Quote said, I'm afraid that white medical students wouldn't follow or rank favorably a program with a black program director. And of course, this Dr. Ham, he quote unquote categorically denies the allegations of racist language made in Dr. Dinar's suit. So, again, um, 
typical. What do they we do about dodging right. the bullets? Yeah, <laughs> dodging just, the bullets. And uh, I, I also want to mention real quick, Alwyn, mm-hmm. this suit, because we I know a couple of us went to HBCUs. We the suit it. also claims we all did. True. That this <laughs> right, right, we all did. And I'm sure most of our loungers did as well. Right. The suit also claims that the school has its own system mm-hmm. that it uses called Atlas. Atlas to rank medical students. Wow. And the system assigned a low rank to students who attended historically mm-hmm. black colleges and universities, mm. according to this lawsuit. The suit also alleges residents in her program, many of who were female minorities, were also given difficult rotation schedules and were deprived of enough hours in certain types of training needed to graduate. Mm. Un- unreal. At Tulane, I know right. people that go have graduated from Tulane and that rotate through Tulane. Right. I will say this about um, Dr. Dinar and also Dr. Corey, like shout out to them. It is not, it, it seems like in medicine, it is criminal to be truthful, to be honest, to face racism and right. put your hands against it and push against it. And despite the confrontation, they still rose to the occasion. They could have backed down. They could have said, you know, my job is on the line. I'm in academia. I want more success. I want to be here. But instead, they chose to pursue a route that most people would not even engender or think of. And I think oftentimes at the interface of medicine, this calls us to come into action as medical students, as residents, as physicians, as attendings. We have to be called to be empowered and then empower other people through our actions, through our words and our wisdom. And they've actually illustrated that. And for me, even being that, if I potentially am in that position now, I know the way that I want to maneuver and navigate because I feel like I may do the similar kind of things. Sometimes you're going to be at the behest of your professionalism. And then sometimes you're going to be at the behest of what to do. What is morality? What is a, the right. sense of what's right versus what's wrong? And to them, what was right. right was the actions that they engaged in at that particular moment. And I want to celebrate them and say, yeah, Queens, shout out to y'all. Dr. Corey, by the way, she's uh, her mother's from Trinidad. So wine your waist, bust a wine. And then her father's from Sierra Leone. So West Africa, shout out to Dr. Corey. Period. That's it. That's it. And then uh, I just want to say with also with Dr. Dinar, I actually and I'm really one of those people like I really don't like I will I will I, I, ain't, I, I will snitch like I ain't no street guy. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I went on IG and I tagged Tulane Med Peace program. I was like, yo, y'all could kick rocks disrespectfully. You know what I'm saying? Like I tagged that right. like like I'll let it be known. And for me, like even if I'm dealing with any trans in residency or even even like as a as a medical student like i'm very transparent and i'll let things be known directly to the person that's involved and directly on social media like the world needs to know that medicine isn't all hee hee ha it's not as glamorized as it seems like we deal with racism we deal with people talking stuff we deal with people saying things that are not appropriate and being a doctor right doctor doesn't excuse you for it like it doesn't it doesn't stop because now you have the md after your name it that's actually where everything starts actually like now you have to deal with okay i've done all this work equivalent to my white peers Mm -hmm. but am i okay with sometimes not always receiving that same credit is Mm -hmm. that am i okay with that can i live with that because you will have to live with it if push comes to shove if you really love it if you really want it if medicine's really where you want to be you have to realize that these are realities and this is 
clearly Dr. Corey and Dr. Denar's situations are pure examples of that. And I think it also calls attention to where were the colleagues? Where where Facts. y'all at? Where were where were the people who mm-hmm. were with them who were doing the same work right. that they were doing? What we where were they them. when they needed someone to be there for them? They were they went MIA, they said deuces because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we all want to believe that we're willing to show up and show up for those who need our help, but for the most part, people are really just concerned about their themselves mm-hmm. and their own check. And I think it just that was also another wake up call to this are these are the situations that you will find yourself in if you aren't white and male in a profession like this. I think a good question too yeah. to answer or actually think about and ponder is what would be the scenario if they were men, specifically black men? Like what how right. what do you think what do you guys think in terms of what would have been the actual repercussions or consequences of that? I don't I personally feel that it would not have turned out in such detriment. I They right. probably would have both had their jobs um, mm-hmm. because they're male. We know, you know, systemically women, we earn less. Um, mm-hmm. I believe right. actually um, Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know which one of them I was reading, but one of them actually earned, ended up earning $30,000 less um mm-hmm. wow the the yeah after the whole incident occurred i i just feel like men have it better whether mm-hmm. it's white men or black or black men sorry yeah, Alvin, let's talk but about it. when let's it comes to women it. in power mm-hmm. yeah when it comes to women in power it just it doesn't always shake out as we want it to mm-hmm. um but my my other question would have been so our are black people deterred from applying to residency programs? I'm not applying there. When there's a white, oh. but no, I'm just saying in general, when there's a white residency program director, mm. does that deter me no. as a black person? Nope. Right. So why? I don't understand. I don't even understand why that question would come up. I, I emailed like I was looking at. It is I was looking at is. UConn Neurology Residency, and they had a lot of DOs and a lot of diversity. The resident residency director is a is a white woman, and I didn't look at it like nah, like oh yeah, she's white. Like let me not email her. Right. Let me not establish this connection. You know what I'm saying? So I think um, you know, Erica, you make a very valid point. Like most of us, we're not even looking at the racial composition in terms of the residency director. You know what I mean? We're looking at what right. how. Mm-hmm. can the residency fit with me and can promote what I'm trying to accomplish? You know what I mean? So it's crazy that somebody could say that, like the, the, the audacity, like, yo, that doctor, like, yo, come see me, come see me. yo. we going to throw hands. You need hold to fade on. homie. Like, but for real, <laughs> oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Shout out to Dr. <laughs> and Dr. Corey, you know, like, honestly, I don't know y'all, but I truly am inspired. And I, I really love the work that you, you, guys are doing as you and as you'll see we uh will have some uh comments um from one of them um later on in the episode but i I think it's incredible that people despite the 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 confrontation and conflicts that they're able to rise and deal with adversity right and you know i think just moving on to that and moving past that we know that when it comes to just accountability and seeing how we can push things forward when when people have been wronged and Mm -hmm. we were wronged we were definitely wronged as a nation overall (laughs) with trump in the office we was we were very much wrong for the past four years but now we have reached a we've reached a new 
era with Biden in office. However, we're still looking at a we're still looking at what the guy's doing right now. We're still monitoring his moves. We're trying to see, okay, is Biden keeping up with <laughs> what he's been saying during his campaigning, during, you know, all the things he's been chatting about on CNN and all of that. And he's still within his 100 days, right? Where he's right. still, I don't think he's completed it yet, but he's still in that, mm-hmm. that little bubble. And we're, we're, like I said, he's getting side eyes. He's, we're looking at him with four eyes, actually, I have eyes in the back and the front of my head with this guy. So um, we've been monitoring him. And I think that so far, I'm, I'm trying to keep more of a uh, open mind until those 100 days are completed. But people, on the other hand, have had other things to say. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But with what he said so far with his student loan, um, you know, cancellations, he's mentioned, he's talked about First, I heard 50,000 or mm-hmm. that's what he said. And then it went down to 10,000 and then it went to just we're just going to keep the interest rates zero mm-hmm. percent. And I think he extended it actually to September 30th, 2021. And so with mm-hmm. all of these things, though, it sounds like there's some fluctuation. What do you guys think so far in regards to Biden and where he's going right now? Has he experienced madness? <laughs> 50 what is 10,000 going to do for me uh hold me with a whole almost $500,000 in loans like i need that 50k but i'm I actually i really feel like we have to hold our leadership accountable from day 1 like i'm not waiting like you have to put the plan in place now he's doing a great right. job in terms of now today the house passed the bill in, in order for us to get the 400 stimulus check and then help with a $300 for unemployment and whatnot for those that are unemployed. Right. But on the other hand, you made a promise to us, you know what I'm saying? And we have to hold right. you to the standard that you have displayed and illustrated to us. And that standard is not being kept. And it's unfortunate. Right. And shout out to Chuck Schumer. Shout out to AOC. They are in full support of the bill to get that $50,000. But I'm really disgusted because I, I honestly... it. Capitalism reigns in our society today to get an actual degree, this which and oftentimes I ain't going to lie to you. Like, I do not feel like the degree is like there's never been a time where I was like my medical school degree was worth sixty thousand dollars a year. I've never felt that right. way. I'm in my gap year right now. I'm learning more reading books than I ever learned from medical school. You know what I mean? And that's free, right. relatively wow. speaking. You know, books cost $15, $20, depends on what you got. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is that it's incredible to me that for us to be successful and be in positions where we can empower, we have to pay so much and get so little back. So please, like, give give us the love. Give us the right energy. Like, blessings. Right. Bring down that 50K, 10K. No, 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 no. <laughs> no quiero eso. Quiero 50,000, senor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, Erica, how do you how do you feel? Like, I know you feeling the energy I'm feeling. And then there's also some other things, other issues. I remember reading an article. Uh, a lot of teachers are also upset because Biden promised that standardized testing wasn't going to be a thing in America moving forward for a lot of our students, you know, because there's also disparities within that realm. But they're continuing to create standardized testing in our country as well for a lot of the students. So a lot of the teachers are feeling type of way, especially him being married to uh, a doctoral of education uh, individual. So Erica, how you feel? Well, I 
probably in the outlier here. I absolutely love Uncle Joe, our president. Um, I've loved him since the Obama administration. I know. Listen, after four years of terror, (laughs) it's fine. After four years of terror with Trump, listen, I was accepting, um, very accepting. I really didn't see any other. Was there a better candidate? No. So I... I'm just happy he's in office. There is plenty of work to be done, but I will mention um, the COVID-19 relief package has been approved. Um, Yeah. So thank you. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing. Um, The House of Representatives approved President Biden's $1.9 trillion pandemic aid package. And it includes a number of things, direct payments worth up to $1,400 per person to families earning less than $200,000 a year and individuals earning less than $100,000 a year. I'm sure all three of us will be thankful for that $1,400 for out of work. $1,400. Listen, I don't have children to claim, so I'm excited about any little dollars that find me. Um, For out-of-work Americans, they would get a federal weekly boost of $1,400, I'm sorry, of $400, excuse me, through August 29th of this year. Food stamp recipients would see a 15% increase in benefits continuing through September instead of having it expire at the end of June. And then there's $15 billion to the allocated to the Emergency Injury Disaster Loan Program, which would provide long-term low-interest loans from the Small Business Administration. And obviously, this relief package increases support of the vaccine. All of this according to CNN.com. And I'm just, listen, I'm going to big him up when he does something well um y'all could y'all could get in get in his tail about everything else i think the covid stuff biden has been been pretty he's been pretty on with it and or pretty spot on with it and so if there's anything um that i would give him kudos for it's definitely the covid19 uh issues he's been dealing with because listen people begin their vaccines vaccines left and right even though Mm -hmm. we know there's been a lot of misconceptions and we know there's been a lot of hesitancies and i I know, Alden, you mentioned you got your first dose so far of the vaccine. And mm-hmm. uh, Erica, you said you had some of your hesitancies due to just how the way you react to vaccines. I mean, you guys can go into that. But overall, uh, we do have to get into some of these misconceptions because I think the, our listeners need to know. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was going to say, yes, I did. And, um, you know, um, shout out to the vaccine rollout program. I think they've done a fairly incredible job in, uh, in um, coordinating the efforts and getting the vaccine out. Um, I will say that initially there were problems, especially in New York City. Um, but but now things seem to you know be more um, successful and uh, be more organized. And uh, when I got my vaccine, they actually so. I actually found out that I could receive the vaccine on the news. I was watching Channel 7, which is a local news station in New York City. And they were like, there's 15,000 slots to get a vaccine at Yankee Stadium. I'm like, oh, Yankee Stadium, like, you know, the greatest stadium in the world. I got to pull up and, you know, I'm in med school. So, I, you know, I need to get the vaccine and ensure that I'm good. So I went online, signed up. And I pulled up and I got the vaccine and it was a beautiful thing to behold that not just me, but the lines of people that were there in believing the vaccine and how it could provide them a safe haven 
um, from coronavirus and potentially save their life. Um, but I will say after, you know, the vaccine, I did have some initial arm soreness um, the first time and I, I, I did have some fatigue. But outside of those symptoms, I did not have anything extremely significant to happen. And um, some people did, of course, and they did say with the vaccine, 60 percent of people will have some type of mild to moderate symptoms. So I was expecting that. I know that typically the second dose is much worse than the first dose. But I think mm. even in regards to outside of me as an individual, I had to do it because there's people on my block in my street in the streets and they're watching me and they're like, yo, you the future doctor, bro. So what you do and how you move follows along with how we going to move. And a lot of people that I know are like, yo, I see you. Like now I'm more open. Like I had people DMing me. I had people commenting like, yo, now I see you moving this way. So now I feel more accepting that I could move the same way that you did and trying to promote and, and protect my family, myself and my community. So I will say that I'm glad like everything's going great with the vaccine rollout. And I'm really looking forward to honestly summer and honestly, the, the, you know, moving forward with the future with this. They, they're doing a great job. I don't know if they'll get the 100 million in 100 days, but think about it. One point five million vaccines are distributed every day. That's a lot. Wow. You know what I mean? So we we making wonders. We make moves for real. So. Yeah. I'm glad you got it. I'm definitely a supporter of the vaccine. I do not practice hotep medicine. (laughs) Um, I did have some concerns just because I know in the past I have suffered from like really heavy reactions with the flu vaccine. For example, like I would be out for the count Mm. and I just can't afford to be out for the count when I have exams every two and a half, three weeks. Mm. Right. Um, I like two days in the bed is just too long. Um, but my parents have started their vaccinations and I am going to get mine when my semester is done so I can and that's on period because we're going to be out all hot girl summer. OK, the vaccination will be received before the summer begins. That's all I can say on my own behalf. <laughs> so yeah, as soon as Penn be- gives me the go, yeah. as soon as Penn gives me the go, I'm a go and get get what I need to get. But I do think it's necessary that we let our listeners know some of these myths I've been hearing. I've been hearing different things, y'all. I've been hearing a lot. And it's understandable. You know, the vaccine kind of low-key seemed like it came out of nowhere in a sense. But I think that what it was is that we were so concerned about how do we move out of this pandemic situation that no one was really thinking about. Well, there's people out here working every day trying to make a vaccine come out as quick as possible so we can get to that point and so because of that and just the way that it seems like oh it just appeared like people are a little bit hesitant about or they're listening more to the the conspiracy theories versus the actual facts from people who have been in the labs working day in and day out trying to get it delivered but just moving forward from that um some of the common myths people have been saying is, um, well, they were, like I said, they were developed too fast to be safe, um, that there weren't enough participants in the clinical trials in order to say that these vaccines are safe. Um, some people say, oh, well, I already had COVID, so I don't really need to get the vaccine. Or this vaccine, the one I've heard too many times is going to alter my DNA. Listen, listen, y'all, come on now. <laughs> come on. Like, because right. it's alter my DNA. Yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like I know we're scared I think it's but... just people well people just you know they're uninformed mm-hmm. and I I've heard a number of these myths as well mm-hmm. and 
when you're not educated in this field and you know they say like um almost like ignorance is bliss and it's not to say that people are ignorant ignorance is just a lack of knowledge so i could understand why a person would run with the idea of hearing something related to dna like they can't explain what mrna Mm -hmm. is unless you sat Mm -hmm. through a bio uh a microbio yeah. or a, you know a class true. biochemistry like, genetics so for people to latch on to these types of misconceptions i'm trying to give grace Agreed. where where i can but some of it is excessive right. um i just think we we should be charged if anything to continue to educate especially mm-hmm. in the black community because we know there's still a heavy mistrust in our community Um, but i just wanted to explain a little bit more about that dna alteration thing just so people Mm kind of know where that could be coming from because like you said you don't know what you don't know especially if you haven't sat through a class explaining it but more so we know that we've had the mrna vaccines coming out and people believe that um there's a way that the mrna vaccines could actually like kind of integrate with their dna and kind of change it up but what they don't know is that actually when mrna enters into the cell cytoplasm um it doesn't go into the nucleus which is where your dna is and it's broken down quickly as soon as it enters the cell and it already delivers that needed vaccine message into the cell's machinery and so you can't just you know to clarify there's no way that you can have mrna be integrated into your dna it's not it's not scientifically possible so moving on with that we should there shouldn't be any uh concerns about dna alteration with the vaccines yeah going to erica's point i think is important education and informing and enlightening people about what the vaccine is like i can't honestly say that i could choose one or two people that's walking down the block right now and ask them what is dna what does it stand for what does it represent in the body you know what i'm saying so for me, like I've and I and I can speak especially in terms of clubhouse. Like I've been in rooms where I was like the only medical student in there, and they're like talking about vaccines, and they asking me questions, and they're like, "Yo, bro, good looking." Like now I know more. Like, and I feel like as a right. community, we have to do more than just stop short of being in the hospital. Like we have to be out here. Like we got to be in the nail salons, we got to be in a barbershop, we got to be in the churches, we got to be there to advocate and educate. Because right. then people are left to their own devices to think and feel the way they feel, which is which is you know normal at we as human. That's but there's factual enlightenment that needs to go on, and we can provide that as physicians, as medical students. So we got to go out there and not just stay to the realm of just medicine. We got to think beyond that and beyond the barriers, because obviously there are issues there, and there's a confrontation in regards to medical ethics medical mistrust and the black community. I recently started reading this book by uh, Harriet Washington um, called uh, Cate Blanche, which is, you know, in French, um, which means white card. And she was talking about the informed consent and how that's influencing the black community and how people, right. unfortunately, when we talk about vaccines, how people unfortunately are automatically assumed to be research participants without being asked because they're in a position of endangerment. So there's a lot of things that we have to think about and we have to disentangle in our community and we have to be there to provide the support and say, hey, I'm just like you. I'm from your block. I'm from your hood. And we could work on this together and build a better tomorrow. You know what I mean, absolutely. 
Right. And I think that overall, that's just going to come with more, like we all said, more education mm-hmm. because the historical mistrust of medicine in the black community definitely not does not come from thin air. It comes from a lot of um, taking advantage of and a lot of abuse of black bodies. And it very much is um, warranted. But I think that we are at a point now that we can maybe hopefully as future black physicians help to heal and bridge those um, gaps in knowledge. And so that way Mm -hmm. we can all be as healthy as we can, no matter what race you are. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, with that being said, I think that, you know, I, I, I love this episode. It was so dope. Just, you know, talking about vaccines, talking about Biden and what he's doing, talking about, you know, the tremendous things in regards to black women in medicine. But I just want to say thank you, SNMA fam. Like, I love y'all. Thanks for tuning in. This is our Women's History Month episode. So whatever woman is in your life, celebrate her today, tomorrow, for the future. Show her love, encouragement, especially black women. I appreciate y'all. I was born into this world by a black woman, and hopefully I will give birth to a black woman. So thank you, woman, for all your accomplishments and everything that you've contributed to medicine, to all arenas of life. And thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of SNMA Presents The Lounge. You dig? Love ya. Let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had today by emailing us at podcast at snma.org. Be sure to follow the SNMA on social media to stay up to date on upcoming events like AMEC. I am registered, did not attend last year. This will be my first conference, and I am super excited to attend with everyone. Also, we are looking for some new team members. So if you are interested in joining the podcast team, Be sure again to email us at podcast at snma.org. Have a happy Women's History Month. Take care.